0: This week has been an interesting week in the news, social media, Twitter, Facebook and everything else and uh, what I want done, many of you have either texted me, private messaged me, what do I think about this, what do I think about that and uh, there's really no difference today than it was last week. God is still on his throne, God is still reigning, God is still gracious, God is still compassionate, um... The only difference is now that a population now has the right and the freedom to marry who they want in this country. And what I will tell you is that with every freedom as we look at today, the freedom they seek, the yearning they seek, the hurt that they seek to be filled is not going to be found by them being able to marry. It's not going to fill the soul's gap. That which is intended for God and God alone to have. And so, my comments uh, are very brief on those regards. It's simple this: brokenness will always produce brokenness. And we, as the body of Christ, who have experienced brokenness in our own lives. God has reached down in the midst of where we have been and sometimes where we are in the present state of things, and He lifts us up. We do not serve a God or a Christ that is far off from us. We serve a Christ who is in the gutter, in the trenches with us, experiencing the tumultuous nature and chaos of life, and He bends down where we are and sets us on a higher place. That's the God that we serve. And so my hope is that as we look at Galatians chapter 5, that we could embody these principles. Because listen, it is so easy, so easy to become cynical and angry and frustrated and mad. But I'm going to tell you this. Frustration and anger and hatred will never, ever, ever bring people to the gospel of Jesus Christ. What brings people to the gospel is the love of Christ as demonstrated through you and me. Because we may not be in certain ways. We may not struggle in the ways that our society struggles. We may, actually, we may actually struggle in that way. But majority of us may not. But here's the reality. You and I are not perfect people. We are broken people in need of the dramatic and instrumental touch of a Savior in the person of Jesus Christ. And until the entire world comes to that understanding... We will continue to be broken. Our politicians will continue to deliver broken promises. And we will continue to have a broken system. Why? Because our government was never intended, God's intention was never that the United States would be a demonstration of the kingdom of God. It's His kingdom for His glory. So don't put your faith and trust in government, in justices, or anyone else. Put your faith, hope, and trust in the person of Jesus Christ. He is the one That will never fail you, ever, ever, ever. So, as we look into God's word today in Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse 13, I just have simple points today, but ultimately, you and I are called, first and foremost, to freedom. I mean, this uh, Saturday, we will celebrate July 4th, and we've experienced freedom this week for, for different classes of people and different segments of the population, and they have proclaimed freedom, finally, there is equality. But I want you to understand that if you and I, in the person of Jesus Christ, as we have experienced His grace, it has touched our lives, it has transformed us from within, then you and I don't need to live any longer like we're enslaved to sin. We are not in bondage to anyone else. We are we owe our credit and our allegiance to the person of Jesus Christ. So live in the freedom of Christ, Quit focusing on the failures of society. Quit focusing on the failures of culture. Quit focusing on your personal failures, your personal problems, your issues that have defined you for years and years and years. Let go of them because when you and I have come under the lordship of Christ, it is a new day, a new day, a new uh, arena has dawned, a new time has dawned, and it is God's time, God's moment to do amazing things. Quit Quit, quit living as if you're enslaved to the things that once enslaved you. You may say today, well, I wouldn't be enslaved, but I still feel imprisoned by the things that used to entrap me. Freedom only comes through christ that yearning that you feel the hole that's in your soul the hole that's in your heart you may not be able to 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 quite depict it in that manner but here's the thing the emptiness that everybody in the entire universe feels that emptiness can only be filled the only magic piece is the person of christ period There is no other name by which you and I can find favor with God to be in fellowship with God and to be a part of God's kingdom. It is at the name of Jesus that we accept, that we believe, that we give our lives to. That means that he is the author of our motivations, that he is the one that we pursue with all that we are. And we use the freedom that we have gained through the person of Christ to advance his causes, to advance his kingdom to share his love and his compassion, we don't need to live like we're in bondage to the enemy. Because why? Satan is vanquished. Satan has no power, no dominion. The only power and dominion that Satan has in our lives is the power and dominion that we give to him. Allow Christ to reign because we are called to be free. And in this freedom, we should not use our freedom as if we are free to do whatever we want there's a listen when you and i you and i have the choices that you and i make on a day to day basis we have the freedom to really do anything we want Some things will lead us to be better followers of Christ. Some things will take us further away from our relationship with God. We need to only commit and follow and pursue those things, those actions, those behaviors, those beliefs that lead us to the very threshold of God. Anything else is a distraction. Anything else is sinful. We need to use our freedom for His Glory. That's why. Uh, about a year ago, I preached my infamous sermon, in which the soundbite that went out in the community was, "What was it? Come on, tell me." I no, I didn't say I liked beer. I said I love beer. I said that, and 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 some of you went into like pacemakers went off, and you're like, "Oh dear God, what have we done in calling this fugitive to be our pastor?" But if you were to listen to the whole message you would have heard me say i love beer it is permissible for me to drink beer because the bible does not say you shall not drink what the bible says is two things you want to drink in moderation and two overall the scripture at time and time again says watch your behavior. Watch how you behave. Watch how you act. So there are things that I choose not to do even though I enjoy doing them. And even though there's nothing technically wrong with them per se, I choose not to do them. Why? To advance God's calls and purposes in my life. There are things that are permissible for you to do as well. Things that really in the church when it comes to sin, they're not sinful in and of themselves. But do not use your freedom to gloat in the freedom that God has given you. Use your freedom delicately to advance God's purposes and God's kingdom. Because why? You and I don't want to be a distraction for someone not coming to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ why? because secondly we are called to walk by the Spirit if you look in verse 16 of the passage it says so I say walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature listen in your faith journey as you're walking along if you're having trouble following God if you are constantly sidestepped or have a sidebar with sin or whatever it is that's plaguing you one of the reasons might be that you're not walking in the Spirit of God the Spirit of God has come upon you when you accept the lord jesus christ but listen your spirit the spirit of god gives you freedom to choose to do what is right or to choose to do what is wrong if you find that your life is full of problems and chaos and adversity sometimes it's a result of us not walking in the spirit and i say sometimes Because sometimes there are trials and situations that you and I are going through and we're very quick to attribute them to the enemy. But I want to submit to you that many of the trials of my own life that often I would attribute to the enemy were actually allowed. I was allowed to go through those experiences because God wanted to build my faith and my trust and my confidence in Him. Because it is on the days that you and I can't carry on. It is on the days that you and I can't make a decision. It is on the days when you and I are diminishing in our capacity capacity to be a follower of Christ that that's when Christ shines more than anything else God is in the business of giving us freedom He's in the business of providing us freedom not just so that we can do what we want but so that we can advance his purposes we're called to walk by the spirit And then finally, if you look in verse 22 of the passage, he says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And he says, Against these things there is no law. Now, preceding that passage, he talked about the acts of the sinful nature. Listen, we have no problem discussing the sinful nature. There's no pro- i think I think we kind of all understand what sinful nature does I mean the sinful nature embodies these types of things immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like listen all those things all of our sin is rooted in one of those elements we have no problem understanding the sinful life we have no problem embodying the sinful nature we have a problem pursuing christ at all cost now we are called to bear the fruit of the spirit notice it doesn't say fruits of the spirit the fruit of the Spirit, you may say, oh, well, I'm doing pretty good today. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of lovable. I've got some joy. I've got some peace. I'm a pretty patient person. Now, I'm not, you know, kindness. I don't know if I'm doing so hot on that. Gentle. I'm not really gentle. Maybe you said patience. I haven't had a lot of self-control. But I'm getting, I'm getting four of the eight or five of the eight or five of the seven, whatever it might be. Listen. You don't get to pick which fruit you want to embody. You embody the entire fruit. That's why it says fruit, not fruits. You don't get to choose which adjectives describe your life. You and I, as we embody Christ, as we have accepted Christ, we need to demonstrate love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control in every single interaction that we have. That's why we're ultimate failures. Because we have trouble embodying these Now, I look at social media this week. There's uh, people all up in a a hullabaloo about the Confederate flag. Uh, There's people all in hullabaloo about race in this country. There's people all in hullabaloo about the Affordable Care Act. There's people all in a hullabaloo and and worked up uh, about the Supreme Court decision concerning equality and marriage or whatnot. I've seen many comments on Twitter. I've seen many comments on Facebook. Instagram, etc. And the reality is that very few of them, very few of them from a Christian perspective are rooted in the fruit of the Spirit. They're not rooted in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But they're rooted in what is preceding. In the law of the sinful nature. Now some of you will go out of here today and say, I don't, I don't like that message today. He's being too light on the wickedness of this world. I'm just quoting scripture. It is so easy to go into attack mode. And Christians are great at it. When we don't get what we want, we attack. I mean, you say, I I don't believe that. Let me tell you something. We can have a lunch here downstairs, and we've got 55 pieces of uh, fried chicken, and the 56th person comes up. We will have a fight when that chicken is not, when there's a piece of chicken not left for somebody. I mean, thank God that Jesus had fried chicken at the Last Supper. Lest there have been more than one person to betray Him. Now, you see, some of you are so biblically illiterate you're turning over in the New Testament and see where it says fried chicken. (laughs) We are called to bear the fruit of the Spirit. I have many friends of mine, and many of you have friends of yours that are gay, that are in relationships. One of them the other day, I was at the White House the night it was announced and at that festivity that I know of. and It's so easy for us in what is considered the religious right, and I would submit to you that sometimes the right gets it wrong, uh, how the religious right demonizes all that's going on. And I've heard the cliches, I've heard people say, well we need to love the sinner and hate the sin. I've even said that in the past. But the problem with loving the sinner and hating the sin is sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, the sin is so caught up in the identity of who a person is. And so when you slam your hatred at their sin, it is a very, very slippery slope that they don't interpret that and your intentions don't go to the person at large. I would submit to you that God's will does not change. His purposes do not change. His truth does not change. I do not believe that sexual action outside of marriage, that he is defined as a man and woman. I do not believe that it is scripturally true. And I believe it is sin. Let me go on record and say that. But I know a lot, a lot, did I say a lot? A lot of heterosexual couples that have got all kinds of problems in their marriages. What makes this issue worse than any other? I would submit to you, the only thing that makes it worse is the social stigma of culture that we have bought into. Listen, we care more about what religious people say than what scripture teaches. And that is a problem for our livelihood. That is a problem for community. Because as much, listen, as much as we want to reign true and as much as we want to stand for truth, listen, standing for truth does not mean that you and I get a pass or have the freedom to hate those that choose to oppose God and oppose His way and oppose His definition of marriage. It simply means that you and I have got to be committed all the more to loving people and being compassionate towards them. We don't accept people's sin. We don't endorse people's sin. But we love them. We love the sinner. We love the sinner who is involved in sin. Why? Because we love you. And you love me. Because we are all sinners. The issue is that we accept each other's normal sins as normal. Oh, so what if you flip the bird off when someone passes you in traffic? So what if you cuss someone out? So what, so what if you cheat on your taxes? So what if you cheat on your wife? So what if you cheat on your husband? These things can be redeemed. But oh, for three transgressions and even for four, I will not withdraw my wrath. And the wrath is burning against the homosexual. Really? Look in the mirror. Look in the mirror. We need to look in the mirror at our own lives and realize how depraved we are, how wicked we are, how lost we are, how problematic our lives are. And when you and I are broken, when we're looking at ourselves, when we're broken before Almighty God, we'll think twice before we cast out others that may not be broken in the same way that we are, but in some ways... Are broken a lot more. Let me tell you why. There's a segment of the population today that is gay and they don't care anything about the church. They're not involved in any organized religion. They're practicing atheists or agnostics. They're a percentage of the population of the homosexual community. There's another percentage of the population that struggles with sexuality that is not, they're struggling with it. They've not necessarily acted upon their feelings but it's a real struggle and so they sit. Some of them are in church and some of them not in church but they're dealing with this struggle on a daily and weekly basis. And there's a whole other arena of people who have struggled, who have given into the sin and they're in our churches. They're not far out there they're here. They're in our families. They were raised right. They knew the teachings of Scripture. And they will say, listen, I know what they'll say because I've heard them. I've talked with them. And they'll say, I've always, I've always felt this way. I didn't ask for this. I have prayed for this to be removed time and time again. I have poured myself out to God. And yet, I still struggle with this. See, when we can put a face to it, it becomes real to us. It's so easy to issue pronouncements against people. It is much harder, but I think much more true to Scripture to embrace people where they are. So as a pastor of First Baptist Church, you're not going to see me rallying against them. It's not going to happen. You will see me Encouraging, you will see me being gracious, you will see me loving, because love does win. Hate does not win. Pushing them off does not win. You know how I know love wins? Because you're a testimony of the fact. Someone loved you enough. Someone cared for you enough. Someone encouraged you enough. Someone loved you so much they discipled you enough that God in His amazing factory of work, in His amazing will, caused you to become a follower of Jesus Christ. You were not saved because of hate. You were saved out of love. and That's the response that you and I must embody. Because it is the response that leads people to the cross. It is the response that elicits conversations. And yes, there's a certain amount of uncomfortability with it. I don't ever believe we should compromise on the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I will not. Uh, I will not perform a marriage for those individuals. I don't even think the church would go for that. I wouldn't do it even if you did. But out in our world that we find today, in the pew that you're sitting in, the seats in front of you, the seats behind you, they're filled with people that are struggling and broken. You see, how many of you, let me just show how, how many of you would like to have your most intimate sin announced from this stage? Would anybody, anybody want to volunteer to do that? Oh, wow! We all. How many? How many of you are sinners? <sighs> Honesty in the room. Praise Jesus. You've got sin, and I've got sin, and they have sin. Their sin is no worse than ours. Your sin is no worse than mine. My sin's no worse than yours. We're broken. We're sinners. In the need of the touch of Jesus Christ. In the need of freedom. Only the freedom that He can provide. And there's only one church in our community currently that is reaching this population, and that is First Presbyterian Church. And the reason they're reaching this population, I usually don't name names, but I will today. The reason they're reaching this population is because they have compromised on the central truths of Scripture. We need to not compromise on the central truths of Scripture and love them to the very threshold of the gospel of Christ. The gospel changes lives. The gospel is our hope. It is our mandate that we would go into all nations Not just minister here in Tennessee, but in the entire world to the ends of the earth and take the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And listen, the good news of the gospel of Christ is better than any news you're ever going to hear because it radically, radically has the potential to save you and me from all of the atrocities and problems of life. So no, the Supreme Court's decision this week did not surprise me. But what I was hurt just as much about, other than their decision, is the fact that the opinion poll of Christianity, the gap between the lostness of our world, the brokenness of our world, and the gospel was widened by so many people. Instead of narrowing to the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the only one that can provide the love that you and your loved ones so desperately need. Jesus Christ is the only one that can provide and fill the emptiness that your soul has. He is the only one that can provide that itch that won't go away. He is the only one that can provide the relationship with you because he knows you better than you know yourself. And the issue comes down to a decision. Are we going to choose him? Are we going to choose whatever alternatives out there? His life leads to wholeness. His life leads to fulfillment. Not saying that you won't struggle. Not saying that you won't have problems. As a matter of fact, when you become a follower of Christ, you're going to understand a lot more problems. You're going to face a lot more difficulties. And what I've said to you today does not come easy for me to say. It would be very easy for me to join the ranks of others in our community and other Christians that want to get on the bandwagon. But I cannot do that. Because it's incomprehensible in my mind, in my heart, the gospel of Christ, the lostness that we see, the brokenness that is experienced, and having that culminate in the person of Jesus. I just, you and I must be an extension of God's love in the world. I'm not saying his wrath is not real, it is. But guess what? We don't get to deliver God's wrath, God does. We are called to love people. God, listen, 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 folks, before you tune out. The greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. Nowhere does it say the greatest commandment, love God and hate the sin of sinners. Love God, love neighbor. Hate is not in the equation. So one of the confessions that we have to confess is, God, forgive me, forgive us for not loving the way we should. God, forgive us for not standing true to your word. Forgive us for standing against people rather than standing for the person of Jesus Christ who is called, who is saved, and who has given us a hope beyond all hopes. I hope and pray That that's your prayer today. We definitely need to pray for our nation. We need to pray for our leaders. We need to pray that they would be broken before God. We need to pray that we would be broken before God. We need to pray that the gay community would be broken before God. We all need to be broken. We all need Jesus. Because ultimately it begins and ends with Him. Will you pray with me? God, with heavy hearts, we come to you today. Many in this room who have family members or friends who have been caught up in this whole cultural phenomenon, whether it be curiosity, whether it be an attitude, whether it be an expressed behavior, it makes no difference. Families are on the brink of brokenness. People are hurting. And God, your love should be an ever-present help in time. Of trouble, May we fulfill the fruit of the Spirit, may it embody our character, our behavior, our speech, and our action as we experience love, as we share love, as we experience joy, as we share joy, as we pass the peace, as we are patient and kind and good and faithful and gentle and above all, help us to be self-controlled. we seek to advance your kingdom one life at a time. God, everything that you've created is good. All the lost people in this world are good because you created them. You have a purpose for them. Help us not to write them off saying that there is no hope. But help help us to take the hope to them. May we be an encouragement. May we speak your truth without compromising on the gospel of Jesus Christ, loving people to the very threshold of the cross. May we stand for Christ, for Him alone, being uncompromising in our allegiance, uncompromising in our compassion. May we give out love as we have received love. May we be dispensers of God's grace just as we have received grace because the Bible teaches that His grace is sufficient for us. Help us to be free. Help us to walk by the Spirit of God and to bear His fruit in our lives as we seek to change one life at a time. Lord, if there's someone here today who has never trusted in Christ as personal Lord and Savior, they may know all the facts about religion. They may have been in the in the pew for years. They may have been in a Sunday school class. They know all these facts about the Bible. They know all about Jesus. They know the Christmas story and the resurrection story, but it's never touched their life until today. We want to give them an opportunity to come and to receive Christ and profess Christ as personal Lord and Savior. Maybe there's someone here today and they say, you know what, this is the type of church that I want to be involved in. I don't want to be at a church that's political. I want to be a church that's gospel-centered, that's Christ-centered, that is sold out for Jesus, sharing the good news of the gospel, the love and grace of Jesus Christ with people, wherever they've been, whatever they've done, whatever they've said, however they've behaved. May we live in the shadow of the cross, and still there may be others that say, Todd, I, I feel like God is calling me. I feel like God is calling me to a specific task I feel like I'm being called to ministry. I think God wants me to be a truth teller. I think God wants me to embody his truth. And I think he wants me to share his love with people. I don't necessarily know how that's going to take shape. But I feel today that God has spoken. His spirit has prodded me. And I need to answer that call. And still there may be others today that would say. My heart is burdened for blank. Whoever blank might be. And blank is caught up in trouble. And blank is caught up in brokenness. And some here may even say, "And I'm broken because of their brokenness. I'm at the end of my rope. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. Every time I think we take two steps forward, we take ten steps back, and my perception and my outlook on things doesn't seem very good, and I'm bewildered, and I'm hurting, and I feel like I'm dying on the inside. Lord, would your truth and your grace and your spirit be ushered into their lives? Give them Give them the love and compassion that they need, the patience they need, the endurance that they need, the self-control that they need. To be the parent that they need, to be the friend that they need, to be the father that they need to be, the mother they need to be, the sister they need to be, the brother they need to be. Help us to be what we need to be in Christ. And for them today, this altar is open. And truth be known, every single one of us has issues that we should lay at this altar every single week. But perhaps today God has spoken specifically to your situation, to your need. Maybe the Holy Spirit has spoken and said, I want you today. I want you to commit today to praying and loving and being compassionate like you've never been before. If that's God's will for your life, if that's your testimony today, We'd love to know about it. God wants to hear from you where you are just as you are. We want you to come in the invitation. We want you to come. We want you to walk down this aisle. We simply want you to come to this altar and you pray. You don't have to talk to me. You don't have to pray with me. You can just have a one-on-one conversation with the Father who loves you more than you can imagine, who's in the business of pursuing prodigals, And having prodigals come back home again. And that's the prayer that we have. That's the need of our hearts. That's the compassion of our souls. God, may you work in this place, in this invitation. May you speak to us. May we be obedient and may we answer. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. If you're here this morning, you pray. I just prayed. But you feel like that you need to come to this place. This altar's open. Won't you come? Come in the freedom of Christ. Come in the love of God. Come in the grace that is sufficient for you and me. Don't hesitate, but come just as you are as we stand and as we sing.